But last week, um, we, we talked about something that we talk about every year from one to three weeks, one to four weeks, a theme called, I Love My Church. And that, that whole purpose of that series that we do, and it's, again, we do handle it in all different ways every year, is to remind us about what the church is about. Why do we exist? Why do we love our church? And last week we just talked about reasons why we love what God is doing in his church. And, and part of the thing we try to review, at least for a little bit in that, in that annual reminder, is why do we exist? What are the purposes that God has called us um, to accomplish? And we understood this last week. We talked about how what we're doing is we're establishing a colony of heaven. That really what we are right now is a, is a, a representation of heaven here on earth. And how would, we, how would we display that? What were the things that we would do that would help the world see this is what heaven, a little glimpse of heaven, looks like? And, and we have five purposes that, we, that explain that. And so those five purposes, if you remember Portview Pete, who illustrates those, if they're, they're worshiping God, reaching seekers, connecting with other Christians, growing in Christ-likeness, and serving with the love of Jesus. And um, today, I didn't really plan on doing this until last week, but today... I think we need to circle back to one of those. I was just going to do it for one week, but I really felt compelled to come back and circle back to one of the five and spend some time with it, especially in light of some of the changes that have happened in our society and our, even our church due to the pandemic that we find ourselves in. Um, and as I look at, at these five reasons um, for existence, I think one of them has been particularly hard hit over the past year. Um, I actually think COVID has given us a gift. Who's ever said that before? I really think it has. I think COVID has given us a gift because it's revealed an area of weakness in our own church life. Maybe in many church lives, but in an hour, as I look at, at, at these five purposes and I evaluate them in, in light of what would we like to accomplish, I see a weakness in one of our areas. See, see re- really, even in the time of restriction that we even have right now and was really restricted for three months of last year, We've been able to adapt in, in order to accomplish, try to accomplish the purposes that God has given us. We changed how we did worship. You know, for some time we couldn't meet together, but for most of the time we could, and even that we've restricted. Some of you are worshiping at home right now uh, because of health reasons. We've adapted to how do we do worship. We've changed how we facilitate our, our growth in Christ-likeness. Our classes now on Wednesday nights, you know, I sit not only talk to students, but I talk to a, I usually, I'm sitting right here, I talk to a TV screen that's right there. And I see all the little tiles of the people who are joining online and, and we're adapting. How can we, how can we do this? Um, we've adapted how we serve each other and we've adapted, um, you know, our, our small groups um, gathering together. We've seen that, like we talked about last week, the, the real importance of having a few other really good Christian friends that we call connect groups and how that happens. So we, we've adapted in all those areas. But there's one area that I think has been neglected, um, at least it's been revealed that we're, we're not maybe accomplishing it real well, and that's how we reach people who don't yet know Christ. We, call us, we, we hear, say it here, how we're reaching seekers, that we're reaching people who really are crying out in their heart. They might not even know, but they're crying out saying, I'm seeking after God. I just don't necessarily know that's what I'm seeking for. How are we helping those who do not yet know Jesus come to know him? Um, and the reason I believe that this has been neglected is because I think COVID has exposed an issue with how we have been doing this in the church world, not just here, but in the church world, the Western church world, our post-Christian church world, for 
quite a while now, how the church has morphed in a certain area into doing things a certain way and how COVID has revealed that that's just not working right now. See, because what we have been doing primarily in the church world in an effort to reach people who don't know Jesus is we've been holding events. We hold an event where, where people can come or you can bring people and in those events what normally happens is, is people bring people and then me or whomever tells a message about Jesus. So we bring them to church and they hear about Jesus. We bring them to an event, a woman's event, a men's event, whatever, and then they hear about Jesus. And isn't that really what we normally do? Isn't that what the church world's been doing for quite a while now? Yeah? I think I'm not wrong about that, right? Well, COVID has put a halt to that. For a while, we knew we couldn't even meet for church at all. And now, even though we can meet, things are still completely changed. So like two weeks ago, um, there was an annual event held that, that at one time, we literally took buses to. It's the No Regrets Men's Conference. And um, it would meet, 5,000 plus guys would meet at one church in Milwaukee and then other churches all over the area. So last year, we went down and we joined with, with Christians at Evangel Assemblies of God. This year, they still tried to hold No Regrets, but very few people showed up. And um, people just, a lot of people, they didn't have the big event. And it was small little venues. And in small little venues, not even a lot of people came. So things that worked even two or three years ago to draw people together where they could hear about Jesus um, aren't, aren't working the same. Maybe it's because people just feel uncomfortable gathering in crowds. And I can, I can understand that. So just bringing someone to an event in order for them to hear about Jesus just isn't working now. It might not work in the near future. We might not work again at all. We don't know. Well, I think that's a good thing. I really do. I think that's a good thing that COVID has exposed this because that's not the way the church has ever spread the gospel message until very recently. The idea of bringing people to something and some one person stands up and tells them, and you have special guest speakers, and they do all of it, and everybody else is just an observer. That has never been the way the church has operated until very recent Western history. You see, throughout the whole Bible, and throughout 2,000 years of Christian history, the primary way, and I would say this, the best way that the message of Jesus has been spread is by simply one person who's met Jesus telling another person about whom they met. One person saying, I met Jesus and he changed my life. And that's what I want to talk about today. How each of us can share the gospel um, in our own individual circles. And here's the thing that I think you need to understand about this. Historically, most of the sharing has gone on within your already established circles. Do you want to know the number one way the gospel message is transmitted, it's through family. It's through moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, talking to their kids and their grandkids. That's the number one way. And then those people telling the rest of their family. Now, of course, you've got to have somebody that's the first person in the family, so somebody's got to break through the family barrier and get to somebody else. But it's generally within our circle of influence. We all know a lot of people. And we all know a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And, and we can share the gospel. What in fact I want to do is I want to explain a way that I think you can share the gospel in a way that you're comfortable with. A way that you could easily tell somebody 
the basic story about Christ. And that's going to be the bulk of what I want to talk to you about. I want to help you. You're given a card when you came in. I'm going to explain that in a, little, in a while. But I want to help you understand the salvation story. Because I really think this. I think a lot of times the reason we don't do things is because we just don't know what to do. So I want to help you with that today. But before we get to how to tell the story, I think we first need to talk about the storyteller. Because who's the storyteller in telling the gospel story? It's us. I see people going like this. It's you and it's me. And I just want to make a few comments, and I wasn't going to do this, and I honestly tell you, I actually, if you see my notes, I have it scratched out. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to say that. But then I went ahead and included it because I felt like I should. That I want to talk about us. You see, I think we all understand that people need Jesus. I think we understand that. We understand that every person is created to be in a relationship with God as their father, and that Jesus is the avenue to that. It, he is the relationship. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And the way that people learn about this, about Jesus, is through those who have already met Jesus. So we understand that we're the storytellers. And there is something that we need to understand then about ourselves as storytellers. If anyone is ever going to want to listen to what we have to say, and it's this. Our lives have to reveal that the story has made a positive impact in our lives. Our lives have to reveal, have to show that the story we're telling has changed our lives for the better. If I'm going to tell someone that they need what I have found, then what I have found has to have made a positive impact in my life. And I'm not saying that your life has to be perfect because none of our lives are perfect. And I'm not saying that you don't have to be honest about your struggles because I think actually talking about your struggles and how Jesus got you through can be one of the most powerful things that we could ever do to tell our story about Jesus. But if anyone is going to want what we have, then they have to see that what we have is a good thing. That we have hope in times of despair. That we have joy in the midst of hardship. That we love others even when others are filled with hate. The Apostle Paul said this about that. He says, for you formerly, before Jesus, formerly were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. He wrote that to the, the church in Ephesus. You were formerly darkness. If somebody's going to look at our lives, they've got to say, you had a former darkness, and now you have a present light, and you are walking as children of the white light. Walk as children of light. If we are going to be effective at all in leading others to Jesus, then the light of God needs to shine from us. We need to be different from the darkness around us. We have to reveal that there is a better way than the darkness of the world around us. And I think one thing that's happened in the church world a lot in the last couple of decades is that the church world's just kind of jumped in back into the darkness. There was problems in the past. There was problems the way the church talked about things. There was problems with, with, um, with a, a, a view of holiness that was about keeping rules and regulations and hair lengths and places you went. 
And it was one way at the extreme, but I think we've gone the other way, and there's literally almost no discernible difference between a Christ follower and somebody who says they're not a Christ follower. They live in the exact same darkness as the rest of the world, participate in the same things, and value the same things as the rest of the world. So how? How do we be different? How does it happen that we walk as children of the light? We live in the light. We abide with Jesus. We abide in his word and we abide in stillness with him and quietness with him. We, we abide with other people who are, who are wholeheartedly walking with him, allowing Jesus to rub off on us. And I'd say this, it's really not that complicated. It's spending more time, having more desire maybe, because maybe it's not about time, but having more desire and, and then made more time with Jesus, cultivating that, than with the rest of the things in the world, than how much time we spend watching Fox News or CNN or whatever else. It's being aware of his presence and structuring our lives so that we really do prioritize being with him because we desire to be with him. It's this morning saying, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else in the world than worshiping Jesus and allowing him access into my heart. Now, if it's honest, that could be a whole sermon in itself, and it's kind of a sermon that you hear from me at times anyways. And I want to move on to the story. But I just felt compelled to say to you as your pastor that we, if we know Jesus, have been set free from the darkness, and we are to walk as children of the light. And if we don't, no one will listen to what we have to say. Your kids won't listen to what you have to say. Your grandkids won't listen. They'll listen. They'll hear you. And it'll go, hear it, disqualified because there's nothing but darkness. I don't believe it. And I'm not saying it in a guilting way. I'm just saying it's just the way it is. Before somebody's going to want it, they've got to see that it's real in your life. And I just think right now, and I say this without being hypey. The Spirit, I believe, is putting His finger on things in our souls right now. And He's saying, that's more like darkness than it's like light. He's saying, I set you free from that. Why are you going back to it? And if we're going to talk about the next point, how do we, what do we say? We, that doesn't even matter. Without saying, and never, no, no one's perfect. We all mess, make mistakes. We all mess up. But I'm telling you, if you look at your life and you give the Holy Spirit access, and He's putting His finger and saying, "You know what, Mark? I set you free from that. How come you've circled back around and now you're back in the mud?" He's saying, and you know what He says because He loves you. He loves me. He says, "I'll set you free from it again. Let's get out of the mud." And so I just felt compelled to have to say that before we move on. But now let's move on to the message, all right? The story that we can share. See, I think a lot of us Christians are afraid to really tell others about Jesus because we just don't know what to say. We think we have to explain some theological process and action of God and we don't get it, we don't understand it, we can't answer difficult questions, we think. Um... And we think there's some kind of magical formula we have to use. Well, friends, let me tell you, there's no magical formula. Because here's the deal. God's trying to reach people. 
And you know what he uses to reach people? People. Broken and flawed and imperfect. He uses people. And the Spirit simply wants to work through you to reveal Jesus and the, and the, and the story of Jesus. So people can be invited into the story. But I do know this. We have to have a framework. We have to have some, some idea. What do we say? So I want you to understand um, how, we can, how we can share the story. And what I've done is try to put a story into four words. Can you remember four words? Probably. You should have got these when you came here in a worship team. So the ushers, if you didn't get one of these, raise your hand, the ushers will hand them out to you. Oh, okay. So um, I'm going to tell you a story. And understand, it's a story. When you're telling people about Jesus, all you're doing is telling them a story. It's a story that has a beginning and it has an ending. It's a story that has a plot. It has movement towards a conclusion. It's a story that has a villain and it has a hero. And ultimately this, it's a love story. That's what it is. It's a love story. All of the Bible, people look, you hold that thing and it's this thick and you go, what is this? All these different parts. How do I make sense of it? It's just a love story. And it's quite simple and it's a love story that we can we can understand and we can explain in four words and the four words and we're going to talk about individually the four words are relationship rejection rescue and restoration so let's look at the story the first word is what relationship this is about how it all began in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and he created man, and he created woman, and he created everything else in order for man and woman to be with him in paradise. And what do we call that place? Garden of Eden. God created this beautiful garden. He created the whole world and this beautiful garden, and he created it so that he could be with man. And Genesis shows us that God created all the earth to be a place where man would thrive and that they would reflect his image as they ruled the world in love the way they were being loved by God. And what was not in the garden? There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no brokenness. Just God loving man and God loving his creation. Remember, saying God loves his creation. Not just man. God loves his creation and mankind loving God and creation back. This is the beginning of the story, of a love story that God began when he created everything. And what we see from the story is that God is good, God is loving, and God is for us. That the whole story begins with a relationship. It doesn't story, story with having to argue about, about um, creation or evolution or all that stuff. When people get sidetracked, that stuff's important. But you know what? It's, there's so much more important in the story. The story is, it's a love story, and God created you and this world to be in a love relationship with him. That's the beginning. What's the next word? Rejection. It didn't take long for the love story to get messed up, did it? Genesis 3, the very beginning of the Bible, tells us that the crafty serpent, who is Satan, 
approached Eve and convinced her to trust him instead of God. God had said that they should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that if they did, they would die. God was protecting them from that. But Satan convinced her and then Adam that God was actually restricting them. He was convincing this, God's not really for you. That's what he was saying, God's not really for you. So both Eve and Adam ate, and it says their eyes were opened, and their relationship with God changed. And for their protection, because he loves humanity, God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, keeping them from the tree of life, so they wouldn't eat of that and live in their brokenness forever. Now notice this about the rejection. Who rejected whom? So important. Man rejected God. God didn't reject man. People, this idea, God's mad and he's turned his back. Never is that shown in the Bible. Man rejected God and chose to listen to and follow Satan instead. So when God came into the garden to, to be in a love relation with Adam and Eve, where did he find them? Hiding behind a tree because they said, we're naked. He said, who told you you're naked? God came to be with them and they ran and they hid from God. And that led to a broken relationship between God and man, between, between man and man. Now Adam and Eve had strife, and between man and creation. And it says this, Dave, that the land would be unfruitful. It wouldn't be as fruitful as it had been before, that now you would get thorns and thistles instead of the abundance of the garden. All the brokenness and all the pain and all the suffering that has ever occurred on planet earth and still occurred is tied to that broken relationship that now sin and death rule in the world. God said, if you eat, you will die. And they rejected God's way and they followed Satan's words and everybody's died. And all of the pain in this world is tied to the death that rules and reigns and it comes through sin. And all history... From that brokenness to the rescue that's to come is about man's attempt to make it on his own and about God's offer to reestablish the broken relationship. So God raises up a people, Israel. He raises up a man, then he raises up a nation. He said, I'm going to show you how you can come back to me and be restored. And what happens? I just right now I'm reading uh, through the prophet Jeremiah. You want to be discouraged? Read so 50 chapters. I've been taking 10 a day. It's nothing but they reject God and reject God and reject God and reject God. And Jeremiah is saying, God's saying, come back, come back. And the people, and God tells Jeremiah in the beginning, you will speak and they will never listen to you. And they reject the message of God to come back. And they reject the message of God to come back over and over. And God keeps reaching them. God keeps sending prophets. God keeps giving them answers. And they keep rejecting God. And all the Bible, from the time of the brokenness that came, the rejection that came, all the way up till Jesus is just the story about man's attempt to make it unknown. I'm going to do it my way. And God's saying, listen, I have a better way. Let's reestablish our broken relationship. Enter the hero. What's the next word? Rescue. Enter the hero, Jesus. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. The prophets had foretold that a hero would come who would forgive sins and give eternal life and rescue mankind from the chains of sin and Satan. And Jesus came and he gave his life for ours and he broke the curse of sin and death that began at the time of rejection and he reversed the curse. And now in Christ we have been rescued from sin and death and we can do something that we couldn't do before. Now we can choose to say no to sin. We can say I'm not crawling back in the mud and the darkness where I was before. Now we have a choice. Because Christ is in us and we can say yes to God and no to sin. Jesus is the hero. Jesus has come to rescue mankind. Jesus has rescued us and he wants to rescue everyone. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about that. Matter of fact, if you're telling the story, you don't even have to open up your Bible because you're telling the Bible. But let me just read one section. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. talks about what Jesus has done and what he's asked us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just, just two verses, 18 and 19. Now all these things are from God who reconciled, you could you change the word rescued, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself or or rescuing the world, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Some of your translations say to the ministry of reconciliation. Look at that. Because of Jesus. What's it say God is doing? Some of you need to understand this because we misunderstand it. God is not counting people's sins against them. We think all God's doing is counting sins against you. It says he is not counting your sins against you. He is freely forgiving anyone and everyone who comes to Jesus to have the relationship restored. He rescues us. He rescues us, mankind, from the prison of sin. He did it, and we can be free in him. He is the hero of the story. And then comes the final word. What's the final word? Restoration. Because we have been rescued, we are then restored. That relationship is then restored. That relationship that was that was created perfect and whole, that was shattered by sin, but in Christ now our relationship is being restored with God. We are now in Christ. It says this, we are children of God now. Our relationship is restored. Now in Christ, our relationship with each other is being restored. We understand this. The only peace that can ever exist in the world is when people come together in Christ. No peace accord works. The only thing that works, the only answer to the world's problems is not a politician. It is the church of Jesus Christ and people being joined together around not religion or not race, not color, not gender, but that they become Christians. It's the only unifying thing on the planet because it's the only, it's God unifying mankind. Once we were rescued by Jesus, once we are rescued by Jesus, then our lives now are all about restoration. 
The restoration of our relationship with him. Every day we grow deeper with him if we walk with him. Our relationship that was, we look in the garden and it says, what, we, what, was, what God and man had then, we begin to have that relationship restored as we grow deeper in Christ. We have the restoration of our character. The main job we have when we come to Christ is to partner with the Holy Spirit to be transformed in Christ's likeness. We are beginning so that we can reflect the reality of Jesus to the world. It's not just to make me different. It's so that he makes me different. So when the world sees me, they see Jesus in me and in you. So our main activity is partnering with the Holy Spirit so we become more like Jesus. We begin to be restored to who God intended us to be all the time before sin entered the equation. And it's it's a, a, a promise of restoration. A promise of total and complete restoration. That the hope that we have, that Jesus shows us in Scripture, is that one day our hope is new bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. Anybody here sick of their body? This morning, I was talking to... Kevin about this. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm sitting there and praying and reading. I look down and my buttons are about to pop on my shirt and I'm going, come on. I'm like, come on. I'm like, pull it out and pull it in. You know what? This thing is failing. My knees hurt. I have to think about how I worship. I'm like, my feet hurt. You know what? I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know what? These things deteriorate. And if you're young, you go, it's not going to happen. Just wait. It will. I don't care how much. I talked to a friend of mine last night who's a police officer in Texas. Maybe you're watching today, Brad. And he told me he's he's like a, a, a fitness guy. He was a bodybuilder, fitness guy. Four weeks ago, he left the gym and had a heart attack getting into his truck. Calls 911 as he's going down. You know what? He's 51. What's the promise? New bodies, resurrected bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. Better, if you want to get some conception, because we misunderstand this, we think, oh, new heaven, new earth, floating on clouds, playing harps. I don't want to go there. Think of Eden if you think of the new heaven and new earth and multiply it by a billion. Whatever you can conceive of the glory of Eden, that's the template. And which promised us something better. There's going to be animals in heaven. I'm not sure if you get to go fishing. Because you hurt fish when you hook a hook in their mouth. So I don't know if there's painless fishing. I don't know. But heaven is going to be great. Because I can't imagine God's going to... You know, there's not, not going to be death and pain in heaven. So I'm not sure. But maybe they just grab on and spit out your line when you get in the boat. I don't know. But new heaven and new earth. <laughs> new, yeah, come here, come jump. Well, it's no fun though. They just come, come on, jump in the boat. Um, but here's the deal, a promise. New heaven and new earth with new bodies. Living in a completely restored relationship with God forever. That's the promise of total, re- you give the Lord a hand, total restoration. Do you see the story? It's just a story. It's not a hard, it's not a complicated story. 
God started in Eden. Man chose to follow Satan's way. Jesus came to rescue us. And now he's restoring the world and mankind back to that Eden-like existence. But it's going to be infinitely better. That's the whole story. Any of us can share that story. It's relationship. Our loving God created mankind for a relationship with him. It's rejection. Man rejected God's way and sin and death resulted. It's rescue. Jesus came to reveal God and to restore mankind from the curse of sin and death. And it's restoration in Christ. Our relationship with God is restored. And we have the promise of complete restoration of all things eternally. You can take a napkin in a restaurant and write out those four words. And tell somebody the story of God's great plan for all of creation and all of humanity. That's the salvation story. And our call in the ministry of reconciliation, of restoration and rescue, our calling is to help people understand the story. We understand it by showing that it's made a difference in our lives first. And then we help them see how the story, the simple story, is playing out. And we ask them, where are you in the story? Do you need to be rescued? Because all mankind finds themselves... Because the story keeps being played over and over and over. Every time somebody's born through their entire life until they die, the story is replayed. Do you, how, where do you need to enter into the story? Do you need to understand that you need to be rescued by Jesus? Are you on the pathway to restoration that I can say to you, if you're children of God, listen, stop wallowing in the darkness and the mud. That's all about restoration. God's saying, I have a better way for you. Stop doing that. It's bad for you and for anybody looking on. Do we understand from the story that God is for us? He is for us. You explain the story, four words, and you say to the person, where are you in the story? And you show them, okay, well, now you can get to the end of the story. The promise is for you also. And you can just meet the rescuer, and he'll restore you. And the rescuer is Jesus. That's all we're doing. COVID's given us a gift. We stop telling the story, and we say, Pastor Mark, you tell the story. And I can keep doing it, and I will keep doing it. But it's changed our world. And the way this message has always changed the world is people just like you and just like me just tell the people in our circle the story. What a cool thing. You go home today or, to, to, today or this next week when you see somebody and feel like, hey, I should tell them the story. Say, can I tell you something really cool that our church did on Sunday? They explained the whole Bible, that whole book with four words. Can I, can I show you that? And I thought it was so cool. I just want to share it with you. They go, yeah, okay. Buy my coffee first. And just tell them the story. You don't have to add all the details I did. I just wanted to help you to flesh it out a little bit. But the details I added, pretty much any of you could add. Any of you could add that to those. Because they're all the, the most basic things of, of the scriptures. And then ask a person. Where do you find yourself in the story?
That's what's been going on for 2,000 years. And God's given us a gift to say, church, reset. Do it the best way. Tell the people around you the story. Let's pray. Jesus, you gave your life so all may live. You said you're not counting people's sins against them anymore, but in Christ, if people come to you, they're forgiven. That's already, you've already said they're forgiven. They just need to come and receive forgiveness and be rescued by Jesus. Lord, I pour through church today. We open up our lives to you. And we ask, give us opportunities to share your story with those who do not yet know you. Lord, maybe even before that, there's some things in our lives that we know are really from the past, from the darkness, before we were set free. And this morning, we surrender those to you. And we know this. The story tells us that you rescued us. It doesn't say you might rescue us. It doesn't say you might set us free. You might bring us from darkness to light. It said you have and you are. And so, Lord, we, we surrender. And some of those things are things that we say we want to surrender, but we really don't want to surrender. Help us to see that you offer something better. And we let go of the things of the darkness that we dwell in the light. And the light is life. And the light is freedom. And the light is joy. And the light is healing. And the light is comfort. And the light is inclusion. All of that in the light. Help us to dwell in the light. give us courage give us wisdom so that we can help other people come to be rescued and live lives of restoration becoming the best them that they can become because of you our churches our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed at home, your head is bowed, your eyes closed. Maybe you're watching this with your family today. As I've shared this story, you recognize maybe that you are living in that place of rejection. Because just as Adam and Eve rejected God and chose to walk in darkness by following We all choose that. There was a time in every one of our lives where we didn't even know if that's what we were choosing. But we did. And you're tired of wallowing in the darkness. You're tired of wrestling with sin. And you want to be rescued. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to do something between you and me and God because no one else is looking. 
I'm going to start off on my left and your right. And I'm just going to say, if you say today, I'm saying, Jesus, I need to be rescued. I want you to look up and look me right square in the eye. Okay. On my left over here. Anybody else? The center section. Okay. I want to be rescued. Okay. Okay. On my right, your left, this section over here. People all across here saying, yes. Jesus, you see us. We're just broken, flawed people. And you love us. And you saw all these people, and I don't even know the the many online that are probably also saying yes. But right now, Jesus, we say we want to be rescued by you. You've already done it. But we're saying now grab my hand. And pull me out of the mire. Pull me out of the darkness. And I'm going to invite everybody in this place and everybody online to all pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I want everybody to pray so that those who, who, who looked up at me don't feel, um, you know, singled out. And those who looked up, the many of you that did, I want you to pray this. Nothing magical about the words. I just want to pray. Talk to God from your heart. And I'll lead you in how you can do that today. And we're going to turn away from the darkness. And we're going to say, yes, Jesus, I want to live with you. Only with you. Solely with you. And I need your strength to do that. So let's all pray together. Dear Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. Today, I reach my hands to you. And I say I need your help. Pull me from the pit. Pull me from the darkness. And bring me to your side. And on this day, I'm going to cling to you. I want to hold you. I want to follow you. I want to be changed by you. So today, I give you my life. And I ask you, make something beautiful of me. So on this day, I say no to the enemy to you and I will follow you today and tomorrow and forever Amen I prayed that prayer this morning and and many of you did I'm hoping many of you online did too one thing that's happened is you just maybe had a better concept of the story God created a story for you story. I'd encourage you to do this if you if you said yes to God today. You go, but yeah, but people might think I did that before. I don't care. Stop worrying about other people. God loves you. That's enough. I'm going to challenge you. Tell somebody today that I really seriously said yes to Jesus today.
because we want to help you. We want to help you. They want to help you in any way they can work together to, to not walk back into the junk and to live as children of the light. And we help each other in that. Right? We help each other in that. That's why we're a church. That's the only reason God brings us together. As a colony of heaven, we help each other live in the light. God is good, isn't he? Let's stand together. I love to close with the great blessing from Aaron the priest. Remember junior high and senior high youth right afterwards. Go with Pastor Andre and you got a little while till your pizza's coming. But uh, 20 minutes or so. But you're going to hang out, have fun, get to know each other. As we're talking about being children of light, if you know Jesus, you are a, you are a subset. You are a set of people who live in the light in a dark world, and let me tell you, you need each other more than anybody else on this planet needs each other. Because the current of the world is going against everything that's going for Jesus. And you need each other in school. You need each other you know, in your homes. You need each other everywhere. So that you help each other walk in the light with Jesus all the days of your life, and especially in those challenging times at school. So let me pray this. God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.